Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Sarah last week started an amazing series that we're going to be in for a few weeks now, and it's called Promises. And um, she did a great job of starting that series. If you can go online... Um, and you could go back to uh, the church's website, comchurch.org.uk, and there's a place there you can k- click on a SoundCloud link, and you can listen to Sarah's message from last week that began this series. But something Sarah said in her message really has given me the foundation for what I wanted to follow on and bring today. Um, and that was, she said that whilst we're seeking God and we, everyone loves a promise, that we must never forget that the promise originates somewhere, that there's a promise giver. The promise should never trump and become more important than the person that gave that promise over your life. And that's what I wanted to talk about. We must remember who the promise is, the promiser is. This morning, I'm standing here and my message could easily be called one word, and that would be the name of Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus today, if that's all right with you. Um, In a climate of strange things happening, I I spend some time on social media during the week, and there's so much craziness that's talked on social media, and like so many things happening. I was watching the news, and we've got this American evangelist that wants to come to the UK, and he can't get a venue that will actually let him bring his message. He holds Judeo-Christian values, and he has very similar belief systems to the ones that we would hold as a church, yet he can't find a venue that will let him come because they think his stance on various different issues and political issues um, don't come into line and he isn't able to stand on a platform and bring a word like I am this morning. And I just kind of think like that we're, this country is birthed on just our tolerance and freedom to hear anyone's point of view, no matter what it is. And yet in this climate, we seem to be like stopping people speaking. I find it hard sometimes to even take this platform and talk to people and put presentations together without thinking, well, how would that be received by this, these, this group of people? And how would it be received by this person? And in a climate like that, all we have to do is just know that we know who we are and who the promiser is. Who is the person that brings the promise? So I've got a picture of some scaffolding. I would have loved to have set some scaffolding. The church owns a tower, just like the one on that image. Um, I didn't feel like Josh was in the mood today for me to walk in and say, Josh, can we build the scaffold tower just before before I come and bring the service? His his face, he didn't look like you were in the mood to cope with that today, Josh. So I I didn't ask for it. But he did find me a great picture of some scaffolding and we have a tower just like this and if you imagine this morning that we were all standing and worshipping and having church at the top of that scaffolding tower and then someone came along and begun begun to start to move the section right at the bottom and taking taking a, a one of those supports out 
at the bottom whilst we were all standing at the top praising and worshipping and having church. And maybe on a layer down, there's that, that platform of our great children's work that we really want to see children reached and a great creche and a great coffee shop and all of the things that we'd love to do to support people and have a great, great looking church and great worship and a great praise team with guitarists in and loads of things like that. And they're all on this scaffold right there. Yet somebody comes down and starts to take that bar from the bottom and the, the, the scaffolding starts to feel a little bit less safe. And someone comes and starts to move one of those outriggers that's at the bottom there, touching the bottom. If our foundations of this church, it doesn't matter what we put on top, if the foundations in that bottom section are not completely secure and people didn't, we know, everyone knows that you do not touch that bottom section while this church is praising and worshipping at the top. That's what I want to establish this morning for this church and for this house. I want us to know absolutely what are those square section at the bottom that can't be played with, can't be messed with, can't be changed no matter what anybody wants. We are an Elim Pentecostal church. Sometime in its history, my mum and dad, when they started this church, they decided that we would align ourselves as a church and place the covering of the Elim movement. Now, Elim Pentecostal, they sound like really strange terms, and the word Pentecostal is a strange term to use. It simply means 50, 50 days after um, after Passover. There was a Jewish festival in biblical times called Passover, and um, 50 days after was Pentecost. And that's where the word Pentecostal comes from. Simply means 50, 50 days later. But in the New Testament, 50 days after Passover at Pentecost, there was a group of people waiting for what would follow Jesus. Jesus had gone to heaven. He'd gone back. He'd given his life for mankind. He'd left this scene of time. And they were waiting for who Jesus promised to send, which was the Holy Spirit. And they were in that room um, and That was at the Pentecost time. And that's where a Pentecostal church gets its name from because we major on the Holy Spirit. And I just wondered whether we should just re-tap into what a Pentecostal church should look like and what we believe. And what was funny, last night we found the definition of a Pentecostal church but set by the BBC, by all organisations in the world. This is the definition of a Pentecostal church as written by the BBC on the, what date? On the 2nd of July, 2009, they published this as a part of an expose on the churches in England. And they described Pentecostal churches this way. So it's pretty amazing. I love this. Pentecostalism is a form of Christianity that emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit and the direct experience of the presence of God by the believer. Pentecostals believe that faith must be powerfully experiential and not something found merely through ritual, not something found merely through thinking, but experienced. Pentecostalism is energetic and dynamic. Not my words, not my words, the BBC. This is their definition of, is that awesome or what? If there's ever a reason to pay your license fee, there it is. But I was blown away by that. Church, we are a Pentecostal church. It's not movable. 
And you know, the Elim movement was um, put together and what they did at the time the Elim movement came together, they had a thing that was really easy to present to people and it was called the Four Square Gospel. The Four Square Gospel. And that's what I'm going to preach to you today. The Four Square Gospel. Jesus Christ is a saviour. Jesus Christ is our healer. Jesus Christ is our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is the soon coming King. Four poles on the bottom rungs of the scaffolding that no one but no one in the, hopefully, certainly not while I'm alive and while I'm the minister at this church, nobody can mess with, nobody can start pulling away while we're worshipping at the top. I've got, a flash, I've got some flashing lights here. I wonder if um, somebody could just take fader one, pull it down, and then push it all the way back up again. That would be great. So Jesus Christ, our saviour, our healer, our baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and a soon coming king. Acts, I'll tell you what, if, you're, if you could listen to this word as well, this is very much, I'm going to move quickly this morning, and I'm going to say a lot of scriptures, which I'm not going to apologise for. Um, not many of them are going to come up on the screen, so you might need after this service to go back to the recording and have a listen and just check out the scriptures that I throw at you today. But if you have a Bible with you, look them up. And um, if you have a digital phone, you can look up on your Bible app. Acts 8.5 says this, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. This message could be called Christ today. It could be called Jesus today. Acts 5.42, And daily in the temple, in the house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They never stopped preaching about Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 23. This is um, Paul speaking. We preach Christ crucified. That's our job. Are you doing that in your life? I wonder if your life is preaching Christ crucified. I wonder if we as a church are preaching Christ crucified enough. Are you preaching this message to the people around you? This church is truly that definition that the BBC had of a Pentecostal church. And I'm going to read these four um, points slowly and just present, present some great scriptures that prove that Jesus is these things that we proclaim from this platform. Jesus is the Savior. Have I got some people here that have experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ in their life and it's the best decision you've ever made? If that's true, can you just give God a praise for the salvation that you've experienced? Jesus Christ is our Savior. The world wants us to get caught up today in defining what sin is. And saying this thing is a sin, that thing is a sin, this is a sin. That's what the world wants us to do. But when Jesus came, he said that actually anything, he raised the bar on what sin was. He said, you need to give everything to me. You need to give to his followers, he said, give up everything and follow me. If there's something in your life that you prioritize over your relationship with God, If there's something in your life that you won't put down or is untouchable, know that's the way I am. If there's something that you prioritise and you say that's greater than God, then that comes under the, the definition of sin. The things that separate us, the things that we would choose in place of God, those things are our sin. 
And it doesn't matter who you're talking to. It doesn't matter what their, um, their outlook on life is. It doesn't matter what their orientation is. It doesn't matter anything that. It doesn't matter whether they're straight. It doesn't matter whether they're gay. It doesn't matter whether they're Muslim or whether they're Christian, the color of their skin. It doesn't matter. We all sinned. We all fell short of God's glory. And that's it. There's a, there is a separation between God and man that needs to be bridged. And the person that bridged it was the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to preach, and that's what we're going to stay focused on. He is a saviour. John 1 verse 29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. He said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John stood there and said, look at this Jesus. It's our job on this platform to say, look at this Jesus. It's it's your job in your workplace and in your schools and in your colleges and where you are to say, look at this Jesus. He's the Lamb of God and he can save the sins of the world and he can save your sin. That's our job, end of. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great job to have? Look around you. Every day there are multiple multitudes of hurting people, multitudes of people weighed down by the burden of sin. They don't even realise it. Many of the people in your workplace and in your school and the teachers, they don't even realise that the burden that they're trying to describe to you on coffee break is actually a burden of sin. There's a saviour that was sent and we're blessed enough to be sat here today and many of us have met that Saviour and we've had the joy of coming to know him and we've had the joy of our salvation and we understand it. He's a Saviour and that's one of those things on our scaffolding that you cannot remove. Behold the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. The message that Paul preached everywhere he went, there was a guy that came after after Jesus and he did a lot of the work of spreading the gospel. We're sat here today in 2020 talking about the life of this Jesus Christ because of the work these people like Paul that you can read about in the New Testament did of getting the word of Jesus out to the nations of the world. And that's why we're sat here today. He, um, Paul preached everywhere he went that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. That's found in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 2 to 4. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the, thir- on the third day. That's what we believe. It's part of our creed. It's part of the creed of common church. We, if we were to write it down, this is what we believe. We must present Jesus Christ as a saviour. To this hurting world. The Christ of Passover is the sacrifice for us. 1 Corinthians also says that. You know what? I'm excited about my salvation this morning. If you're here and you have no idea what we've been singing about, you think this is a crazy gathering, what on earth is this on about? We're just doing liturgy by another form. It's a little bit of 2020 liturgy. We're looking at our creed and we're singing songs about what we believe. And we believe that Jesus is a saviour. No matter what you face in life, I'm not promising you that you can come to him, be saved, and all your problems will go away. That's not the promise here. But what I am saying is that your purpose and your destiny will only be found in your life when you come to Jesus Christ. 
You know, you're like a massive piece of land that you can't, your life is like a massive piece of land. And on that massive piece of land, you just look at it on the surface and it just looks like a field. But beneath the surface, there's things that you can't see. There's oil that needs to be mined. There's gas that you could recover. There are diamonds buried in your life. You will never find those things living life on the surface, living life with the things that you can see. They're buried beneath the surface, and the only way you'll discover it is by meeting the Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to preach. That's what we're here to do today. So he's our Saviour. The second one of the four square gospels that Elim was founded on, and we believe too, is that Jesus Christ is a healer. He's a healer. He is a healer. That seems like just such a glib statement, particularly for us Christians, that we've been in church for a long time. Yes, we believe that Jesus is our healer, but we're getting to a place now in society that I've seen that because so many people... So many people have a sick friend who hasn't recovered or someone, we all know someone that we love so much that hasn't recovered that we feel like we need to limit how we talk about healing. We need to put that in a box because that person hasn't been healed and that makes it a very difficult thing to talk about. That's why the saviour bit that I've just been touching on is so difficult to, to talk about because many of us have got loved ones that perhaps aren't living, haven't, haven't accepted that Jesus Christ as their Lord and saviour. And the word of God says, well, there's a, there's a hell and we have to talk about sin. So the church over time has gone, let's not talk about sin so much. It's difficult because there are hurting people that may, they just, it makes it difficult to talk about. Healing's the same as that, very much the same as that, because there are people that are sick and ill. But this word of God says that Jesus Christ is a healer. It's very easy to go through the Bible. I don't need to do it this morning. You can do it in your spare time. If you're here and you've never done Bible study before, take the book of John and begin reading, and you'll read Jesus' journey, and you'll re read about the miracles that he did on, that, on those journeys you can read about that for yourself. Jesus' life was a life of traveling between one place and another and causing healing to happen in hurting people's lives. So Jesus did it. But also Jesus gave us the power too. Jesus is a healer today. There's a story, Acts 9, 33 to 34. Sorry, my mouth's dry. Give me a second. There he found a man named Aeneas. I'm really scared of saying this. I said to mum, how do you pronounce this guy's name without saying anus? Um, I've done it now, haven't I? I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. He was a paralytic. He was a paralytic who'd been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, he got up. Immediately, he got up. Isn't that a great story? He was healed instantly. Peter gives us some important insights here. Jesus is with you. That's the one I love. Jesus is with you. Whenever you choose to pray for the sick, Jesus is with you. 
Remember that. Surely I am with you always, Matthew 28. Jesus is always with you. If you're bold enough to follow the command that we were given to go and pray for the sick, lay hands on the sick and they will recover, it's not us healing. It's the Jesus of the four square gospel that does the healing. That's what we believe. It's our creed. Remember that. If you're bold enough to do what we command, Jesus is with you. He is the healer. You know, there's another place where Peter had done a healing and was praying for someone. Jesus did the healing, but through him and he's praying. And the crowd were looking on at him. And they're like going, wow, look at this man. He's healed everybody. He's done a great healing. Peter's going, Peter had to actually explain to them, it wasn't me doing the healing. It was the Jesus of the four square gospel that did the healing. I simply reached out and did it. You can find that story in Acts 3, 12 to 16. And it says this, why do you stare at us? as if by on your own power or godliness we have made this man walk. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that is given this, this man his complete healing. He had to remind everybody, it's not me that's doing the healing, it's Jesus. It's the Jesus of the four square gospel that heals. If you're here this morning and you're feeling sick, It may not be the trendiest message that I'm bringing today. It might not be about feelings. It may not be about um, the things we have to overcome in life. It may not be those things. It may not be one of those great messages with a flip story point. But this is it. If you're here this morning and you're sick, Jesus is a healer. It's what we believe. It's non-negotiable. Seek out someone that can take your hand and pray for your healing today. We believe it. It's never going to move. It may become that the rest of the world, the whole of the world around us, the rest of Dunstable says, man, you still live in medieval times believing in that Bible junk. That might be the way the world is going. But we believe Jesus Christ is a healer and that is not going to move. Amen? Amen. Ah, thanks. Thank you. With soy milk. Very good. Christ is a healer. My prayer, let's just close our eyes. Lord, I just pray for your healing power to flow in this service today while I'm talking. Let your salvation power flow in this meeting today while I'm talking. Lord God, I pray that my words would become secondary and people would meet Jesus Christ in this service today and you would be their saviour and their healer in Jesus' name. Amen. Number three, Jesus is the baptiser in the Holy Spirit. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said that I'm going to leave this scene of time so that one can come after me and will follow me that will be the comforter. Someone was sent by Jesus. You know, Muslims believe that that comforter became Muhammad. And Muslims say that the one that came after Jesus was Muhammad. And that's what he's talking about in that scripture. But we believe Our creed is that Jesus went away and he sent the Holy Spirit, came after him. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that a Christian can truly know the evidence of God's power working in your life. This is what we're here to preach at Com Church, the Saviour, the evidence. It seems strange that I'm able to lean back on the BBC. It's the evidence of what God can do in your life. 
just like they said in that statement. It's evidentiary. It will be proven out. And it's that action and proving out that comes through power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do this Christian walk. We don't have to be completely different to this world and be accused of being weird and look different by this world. We don't have to do that alone. We have the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John 1, 33 to 34. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This is the moment, this is someone recounting and talking about when the dove came down on Jesus and John the Baptist Baptist was baptizing him. The one who baptizes in water said this, that there's one coming after who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. And the one that does that is Jesus. Jesus promised to his people that the one would come after that promise came about. If you want to know one of the greatest promises that have been fulfilled in Scripture is that Jesus said he would go and that he would send another one after and that promise has been fulfilled. That's one of the greatest promises in this season. In this season when we're talking about promises, we don't have to do life alone. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 5, 8, 2 to 4. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In that upper room moment, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them to. The whole world around them saw that the Holy Spirit moved. There was evidence. It was evidentiary. There was obvious evidence that the Holy Spirit was moving on them. I challenge us today, is it obvious that the Holy Spirit is in your life? Because it should be. It should be so visible, it should be so seen that everyone around you goes, my gosh, look, look at these guys, look what's going on. It can't be done in secret, it's evidence. We're a Pentecostal church, that's what we believe. Jesus Christ is the baptizer. You read in both of those scriptures where John the Baptist said and others said that Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one that does does it? You know, Jesus went, he said, I will send the comforter. Jesus sent. Our God is three in one. Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. That's Acts 2, 23. Acts 2, 33, sorry. Exalted to the right hand of God, for Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you will now see and hear. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe in this church. People around you will know when you're filled. That's my prayer for our church. It won't be left up to question. People will just know. People will come to Christ, come to the Saviour. People will be healed and set free because Jesus heals and set them free. And people will be empowered because the Holy Spirit comes on them. 
Why does the Holy Spirit come on you so you can shake in church, so you can have a nice time in a service like this, so you can stand at the front and go, ah, Holy Spirit, hallelujah, praise God. No, that's not why the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit comes on you so you can take the words of Jesus, so that you can take the Saviour of the four square gospel, so that you can take the healer of the four square gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. That's why the Holy Spirit comes on us. Number four, the final side of our square at the bottom of the scaffolding that is holding this church in place today. Jesus is a coming king. Jesus Christ is coming back. When you read the word of God, there is no denying that the plan was that Jesus would go back to his father. He would prepare a place for Nana. He would prepare a place for my mum. He would prepare a place for Sarah. He would prepare a place for Scott. He would prepare a place for each one of us in this place today. And then he would return and come and get us. That's the story of the Bible. It has a beginning, a middle and an end like any other story. And there is an end and Jesus is coming back. It's one of the foundational truths that we stand on. In a climate where the world does not know what it stands for, now is the time for us as a church to know exactly what we stand for, to know exactly what our foundations are, and these are them. Hebrews 9.28, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Are you waiting for him? Are you excited today? It seems to me that churches only mention the second coming of Jesus Christ so infrequently. Maybe I need to stand here and repent as a church today because we haven't mentioned it enough. You know what? It should be the excitement. It should be like we come to church and we know Jesus is coming back and we should be sat on the edge of our seat, yet we're just flopped back, just sat there, relaxed, arm in church today. Yet we should be sat on the end of our, edge of our seats because we've got something to wait on. Wait, I'm going to have to do this quickly, but there's a bit I've put a square around that I have to say. Are you looking, for, are you looking forward to Jesus' second coming? That's the challenge. Do you... Do you think often about it? Do you think regularly that Jesus is coming back? I know I don't. I know I don't think about it enough. I should. I should think about it more. Does it hardly ever cross your mind? I wonder if there are a lot of Christians sat here today and it, we have to hold our hands up and say it hardly ever crosses our mind. But Jesus is coming back. If we're not looking forward to it, <clears throat> to this great event, we are annoy, ignoring what the Apostle Paul called the blessed hope. We have a blessed hope. John 3.16 says that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish but have everlasting life by way of Jesus returning and taking us and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. There's a, an exciting future for us. There is a glorious appearing of this great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, Titus talks about that in his work, in his writings, two to thir- two, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Are you really looking forward to the return of Christ? If, if we did, I wonder if we were truly in touch with the fact that Jesus coming back, whether our lives would be lived out a little bit more holy than we live our lives now. Perhaps a little more reverently. Perhaps we would prioritise finding out more 
about what God is calling us to do and we would look back to his word and to the Bible for how we live our lives. If we truly thought about Christ coming back, there would be evidence of that in how we live our lives. As we minister from this platform, and I'm going to speak to our preachers right now that are in the house, as we speak and we minister from here, we must remember that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to come back and take his followers, and we will be with the Lord forever. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says that we will be with the Lord forever. That's the blessed hope. That's the hope that we have as believers. That's the four-square gospel that I'm talking about today. Come church, our creed, our foundation, our bedrock is Jesus Christ. Can I have the four? Jesus above all else. If we do nothing else but stand on this platform and say the name of Jesus into this dark world, we're doing our job because with that name comes these things. He is your saviour. Today, do not leave this place without meeting the saviour, Jesus Christ. He will forgive you and take away your sin and he'll change your life forever. That's the promise of the saviour. The healer, the only one who can take away sickness and hurt and pain is Jesus. The only one. I can't do it for you. Jesus can. My obedience will activate Jesus working in your life. But Jesus will meet the need. The correction came over and over again in the New Testament to remind us that it's Jesus doing the healing. Jesus is the healer. The baptizer with the Holy Spirit, you know we're given power. As much as there are people around you at your workplace that need salvation, there are people around you that need healing. There are people that need power. Their lives have dipped off. They're like, I'm not powerful anymore. And God's life, God says to his church and to his people, there is a power you can tap into. There's a power source called the Holy Spirit. You can saturate or baptize your life in the Holy Spirit. There are people around you that need to know and they can catch it by osmosis. The Holy Spirit comes out of you and people around you can catch it because it's evidentiary. I want to encourage you. There are people around you that need to know that there is a baptizer in the Holy Spirit and they can catch your overflow. That's empowerment. Our world likes to talk about empowerment, doesn't it? We like to empower this minority group. We like to empower these people. Let me tell you, if you want to empower someone, introduce them to the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Amen? And he's the soon coming king. It's all about Jesus. The story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. He will gather his followers, and we will be with him forever. What a hope What a privilege to know this four-square gospel. I know this has been a very simple, foundational message, but in this climate, where I'm seeing what's going on in this world and we can't even take a venue, or Christians can't even take a venue and have a meeting because we're told we're out of date. We're told that your views are medieval on things. Well, I want to say this. No matter how medieval it may seem, no matter how backward it may seem, these four foundational truths will never move in this church.
This is what we believe. It is our creed. This is what God is calling us to do. And today was just a reminder, a reminder for the members of Com Church. And I'm really praying that those that couldn't brave the weather today would go back to the recording and take a listen to this because this is not moving and this is what we believe. So I leave you with this. This is the four square gospel. It's the foundation of this house. Don't ever forget it. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.